0: Because, of course, the court has nine justices, so and it's not uncommon to maybe have a 6-3 now with a court split there. But surprisingly, last term, too, we actually, you know, found that there were decisions with, you know, 7-2, 6-3. You know, it wasn't much of a split as you might have thought there, too.
1: The Small Business Rundown is the official podcast of the National Federation of Independent Business, the member-driven voice of small business. NFIB and our members advocate to keep America's small businesses strong and independent in Washington, D.C., all 50 states, and the nation's courts. Welcome to the Small Business Rundown, your place for information on independent businesses' victories and challenges in Washington, D.C. and state capitals. I'm Adam Temple, NFIB Senior Vice President of Advocacy, and today I'm joined by Elizabeth Melito, the Executive Director of the NFIB Small Business Legal Center. Beth, thanks for being here.
0: Thanks for inviting me, Adam.
1: So today, Beth, we'll talk about U.S. Supreme Court cases that affect small businesses, the 22-23 Supreme Court term that just wrapped up at the end of June, and we'll look at the new term that starts next month. But first, I want to start by talking about the cases that NFIB was involved with this last term. What were the biggest challenges or the most influential cases that you saw coming out of the court last term?
0: So small businesses had a great term um, at the Supreme Court in 2022 and 2023, especially in the area of property rights, which is a big deal for small business Mm -hmm. owners, as you know. I mean, property is, for many of our members at NFIB, their most valuable asset. So we had some really good wins in the property rights area.
1: Beth, can you explain a little bit more the different ways that the Legal Center gets involved in cases and maybe a little bit about how you decide which cases to choose?
0: each year probably getting involved in about 50 cases in federal and state courts um, around the country. I think last year we filed in about 11 cases, briefs in 11 cases before the U.S. Supreme Court. And we learn and hear about cases in a variety of ways. Sometimes we hear about cases from other public interest law groups that Mm -hmm. might be filing a brief and would like to get NFIB involved and get our name on their brief too. So there's a variety of ways. But I will say our guiding principle is always how will this impact our members? Do our members care about it? Is there a benefit in the court hearing about the impact this case will have on small businesses? Just like all our policy things, Adam. I mean, we are member-driven when it comes to our involvement in the courts, too. We want to make sure it's something our members would support, the position we're taking in a brief. And so we, like the policy decisions, you know, we look to the ballot, too, to decide what cases to get involved in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And I know you're involved with the the formulation of the ballot as well, because you talk to our members on a day-to-day basis. And hear about the things that are pressing. So it might be anecdotal, but it gives you an opportunity to to give us some insights there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And as I said, going back to your first question too, you know, what cases in the 2022, 23 term mattered? Well, we had some great property right victories Mm -hmm. for small business owners and businesses really of all property owners in general. And, you know, again, that's something that we know from our ballot that is very important to our members, um, you know, protecting, preserving private property rights.
1: Can you elaborate on uh, one or two of the cases in which we were uh, successful?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would say the banner case for NFIB was our win in the Sackett versus EPA, Mm -hmm. and that's Environmental Protection Agency. That involved the Waters of the U.S. regulation, which the EPA oversees. We had a great victory. The court narrowed the definition of Waters of the U.S., and that means less private property is going to be subject to EPA's jurisdiction. So that means Fewer permits will be needed by our members to, you know, construct houses, to expand any way on their land. For our members who are builders or in the construction industry, again, less permitting hopefully with that, so that the narrowing of the definition of waters of the U.S. was a big win in the Sackett case.
1: Yeah, I know we did an earlier podcast on WOTUS specifically, and that was one of the issues that affected a lot of agricultural and construction industries as well.
0: Right, right, exactly. And in another case with property rights, too, was Glacier versus Northwest. That uniquely came out of a union dispute with a concrete company in the Northwest. Picketing employees caused damage to the employer's property. And the question was, can the employer? sue the union to recover for damages to the property. Mm -hmm. Um, The union had argued, no, this is protected activity under the National Labor Relations Act. Um, And the company came back and said, absolutely not. You know, intentional destruction of property is not something that is protected under the NLRA. And it was a win for the employer and for, you know, again, private property rights. Yeah,
1: it's outstanding. Turning to the upcoming term that starts in October, which cases are there any that already stand out as concerning for small businesses?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We have filed four briefs in cases the court will hear in the upcoming term already. So that's pretty exciting. And I think things are looking good for business interests. I would say that the headline case, if you will, or the marquee case is the case Loper-Bright versus Raimondo. And that involves the amount of deference that courts have to give to federal agencies' interpretations of statutes and the regulations that they write there. And we have argued that the court should give less deference to federal agencies' interpretations of statutes. Uh, We were asking for them to overrule what is known as Chevron deference, this, you know, like the agency is sort of always right, or we assume the agency is right. And we are asking that the court do away with that standard there. So that's a really big case, the loper Bright case. We also have a case pertaining to Americans with Disabilities Act frivolous litigation, which is a big problem for small business owners too, particularly with regards to the website. And that's exactly what this case, Lawfer versus is Hotels in Maine pertains to, is the accessibility of websites and whether or not the plaintiff has to show they actually intend to visit the business that they right. are suing for, you know, alleged inaccessible website there too. So that's also going to be a big case.
1: Okay. And maybe it's a little inside baseball, but what will you be looking for in the oral arguments those first couple weeks to know how things are going or if there's any way to cease it?
0: Some that's a direction. great yeah. That's a great question. Um, yeah, and I, I think sometimes you get a sense from the oral arguments as to where the justices or a majority of the justices are going there, because of course the court has nine justices, so and it's not uncommon to maybe have a six three now with a court split there. But surprisingly, last term too, we actually, you know, found that there were decisions with you know, seven two, six three, you know, it wasn't much of a split as you might have thought
1: there too. Yeah, that makes sense. Before we go, is there anything else that small business owners should be looking for in the next term?
0: So, looking ahead to the upcoming term, which starts on October 2nd, and just sort of some SCOTUS trivia here, the U.S. Supreme Court term runs from the first Monday of October through the first Monday the following year. But that said, most of the court's cases, the decisions are issued by the end of June there. So, we oftentimes say that the court's term runs from the first Monday in October. Through the end of June. Um, So far this year, NFIB has already filed about half dozen briefs in cases the court has agreed to hear. And I think that's a pretty good number considering the term hasn't even started. And we're certainly hopeful that the court will add more business cases to its docket too. All
1: right. Okay. I think that's a good place to wrap that up, Beth. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and walk us through the next term of the Supreme Court and how these cases are going to impact small businesses.
0: Thanks, Adam, for having me here today.
1: In today's show notes, we'll include a link to learn more about the work of the Small Business Legal Center and the cases that affect rights of small business owners. And now I want to thank you, the listeners, for joining us on today's Small Business Rundown. We'll be back every two weeks bringing you news and analysis from Washington, D.C. and state capitals so that you, whether you're a business owner or a supporter of one, can continue to blaze a trail. The Small Business Rundown is brought to you by NFIB the voice of small business. You can find us at NFIB.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.